Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 20. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie. Alongside me, I have David Hellman and Brandon Clements. Well, there were a million different outcomes of the Cowboys wildcard matchup that we were trying to predict, trying to figure out, give you guys an idea of what would happen against the Green Bay Packers. And the only one no one saw coming was Dallas losing by the score of 48-32 to and, of course, entering the fourth quarter down 41-16. to uh, an absolute shocker of a game. I know on Twitter, I was liking it to what happened in 2007 with the Cowboys losing to the Giants. But even that one, they were more competitive. And this all around was just not a performance anybody saw coming from all three phases of special teams, offense and defense specifically. Uh, like I said, before we get into the main topic, I will allow a purge like situation uh, for David Hellman and Brandon Clements here. Uh, I myself will kind of stand by uh, and just make sure nothing gets out of hand. But you guys could say whatever you want in a, a two minute time frame about the game. Speak your mind. Say whatever you want. Of course, keeping it G rated for the family friendly audience. But B1, I'll start with you because you, again, are the elder statesman of the room. You've seen a lot of Cowboy seasons end uh, come and go without a championship. Uh, how does this one stack up? Uh, your two minutes start now. Dude, it's so frustrating. And and you, you uh, brought back the year 2007. And uh, yes, I am the elder statesman. So that is the year I graduated high school. So I was in my freshman year of college when that whole season went the way that it did. So when you brought that up, it even it like kind of poked me even more. And I'm like, oh, that, that stung because I, I thought that 2007 team was going to be the team that was going to finally end the streak of all streaks, which is the Cowboys not winning Super Bowls. Now, flash forward you know, to, uh, to 2023 now in the two, 2024 officially in the calendar, it's, it's just been really disappointing, uh, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not typically the most emotional person. Like I, I watch the game and I dissect it. Like I see a lot of people that, you know, on Twitter or on other different social media platforms, like losing their minds. Like I was watching the game with a lot of Cowboys fans and it was, you know, I was actually the most quiet of the group because I just, I'm very analytical when I watch the games. And you could, I think people could see that I was not pleased because the way I was kind of sitting on my couch and just kind of, you know, the way I was leaning, I was kind of just, I, I was just disgusted. It was just a, a flat, a flat performance in, in all aspects, you know, and, you know, you guys know how I feel about Mike McCarthy and, and, you know, and, and you know what, I, I did get a, you know, I did have some conversations on social media with some different folks where uh, essentially uh, I tell people, that Mike McCarthy, he doesn't win the NFC, win it, at least go to the NFC championship game, then uh, he needs to go. And um, you know what? It, it, it's a possibility at this stage. Obviously, nothing has been official. You know, we're still, uh, you know, 24 hours now going into 48 hours uh, post uh, Sunday's game. But uh, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And uh, we, 
the, the clock is ticking because if there is going to be a coaching change, for example, it needs to happen soon because other coaching vacancies are going to fill up. So if the Cowboys want their pick of the litter, if they want to get rid of a Mike McCarthy, then they got to make a move on it now. So I, I do feel like things are going to happen very quickly. Overall, just a very disgusting game. The, the box score at the end there doesn't tell you how poor that performance was. I'm just very disgusted with the, with the way the team played this, uh, this past weekend. All right, Hellman, you are up. Same thing, same scenario. Uh, again, G-rated. You know, we got the families listening, uh, <laughs> tuning in, almost like the fireside chats uh, from Roosevelt all those years ago. Uh, so tell us how you feel about this game. Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to be able to top that uh, as far as just a level of disgust, but definitely similar feelings as far as like, the, you know, the way the game started, it, you know, I, I just felt like in a daze, the way that everything unfolded, um, you know, and and really it, just, it it felt like I was watching a completely different team. You know, that we've seen the Cowboys play at home all season and dominate at home all season. And that's why we all felt so confident coming into this one was it's in Dallas. They don't lose in Dallas, uh, you know, 16 straight wins in Dallas. And, and not only that, but facing a very young and inexperienced Packers team. And then it, it felt like the Packers were the home team. It felt like the Cowboys were on the road. It felt like they were in Lambeau field and, you know, playing in those weather conditions, like nothing went right for them. Offense, defense, special teams. Um, you know, and eventually the offense credit to them, like they woke up and they were able to start moving the ball and doing what they do. But by that point, the defense had already shown that they were not going to show any fight in this game. They never, they never really did anything in this game. Um, and, and at that point, the offense had been, you know, they, they had come up short too many times to where it was too little, too late. And you're not going to get any help from your defense at that point. And this one just it was it was over before we even got to halftime. And that's we've seen plenty of games where it's been like that, but usually flipped where the Cowboys have locked things up so early. And it was just like, honestly, I, I have a hard time even being upset about it because I'm still just confused about what I watched because it was just a complete 180 from everything we've seen from this team. And they haven't got dominated like that since really the the 49ers game. I mean, you could point to the Bills game, but you know, there were some pretty weird things that happened in that one that led to the outcome of that game. But that 49ers game, like, you know, th this was a similar level of beatdown and domination. But at least with that one, you could say, oh, well, it sucks that it happened. But like the 49ers are the 49ers. They're, you know, probably the most complete roster in the NFL. They're, they've been one of the best teams, you know, all season long. And you could just, you know, you could hang your hat on, well, we got beat by the best. But this was a completely different situation, completely different team. They should have won this game. And there's really, they're, they're, you know, looking back at all of it, like there's no excuse. There's not like one specific play where things just turned. It was the coaches let them down. The players let them down. And, you know, very few people on this team actually showed up ready to play this game. So disappointing, frustrating, disgusting, all the different words that you want to use. That's that's where I'm feeling. That's what I'm where I'm at right now. And it's going to be a long, long off season. You guys touched on a few different things and I agree with everything of what you said. I think disappointment really doesn't summarize how everybody feels, how everybody in the locker room feels, um, how a lot of the beat writers were feeling during the game. I mean, even Michael Gelkin, I believe tweeted something out where he said, listen, 
like the Cowboys performance and how they're playing today. There's really no excuse because they have all hands on deck. They have all their running backs. They have the quarterback that's healthy. All the wide receivers are healthy. The offensive line was all together. The defense was all put together. And really outside of players like Trayvon Diggs, Leighton Vander Esch that you were missing throughout the year, like you came uh, to adjust throughout the year. Like that, that shouldn't be something that catches you off guard in the playoffs. The one really shocking thing to me was just, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, the the defense I thought was the most shocking performance of them all. Um, they were getting run on. Jordan Love looked like Aaron Rodgers. They were open, wide open receivers. Uh, Luke, the Luke Musgrave play, I think, really summar, summarized everything. Just there was no communication. Uh, the linebacker play was really suspect. It didn't really show up. I even think Brian Baldinger broke down something where Damone Clark wasn't even on the going in the right direction at one point for an Aaron Jones touchdown. So there were a lot of things that play on the defensive side that I think shocked the majority of people. Uh, Micah Parsons dropped back in coverage on that third and sixth play to uh, Romeo Dobbs. So just a little thing, stuff like that. It just didn't seem like Dan Quinn had a great plan. And I think that was what surprised a lot of people, especially when you have the inexperience like a Jordan Love kind of coming in when the Cowboys, as you mentioned, Howman, were winning 16 games in a row at home. Um, they fought for this home field advantage. They won the NFC East. There was really no excuse for them to not show up in this game. And yeah, maybe if they lose in the divisional round, it's the same old, same old. But this is something different. This is something where things need to change. And whether that means Mike McCarthy is no longer going to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, whether that means Dan Quinn won't even be welcomed back uh, in a defensive coordinator position if he doesn't take a head coaching job. I mean, something has to change. A philosophy has to change. And I, I don't know how you do that when all the pieces were lined up to kind of take advantage of that this year and make a deep run. So we're going to talk about the Cowboys kind of next step, the offseason and what that could look like. Uh, think of this as sort of like a spring cleaning. I know spring isn't here yet. Uh, it's a long way from spring, unfortunately. Uh, but the Cowboys players, they're kind of wrapping things up in the locker rooms. They had their final meetings today with head coach Mike McCarthy, the player avail availability. If that tells you any sort of uh, inclination of how the locker room felt about this game. I think it was TJ Bass, Kevante Turpin, Jordan Lewis, and maybe one other player were the only ones that were talking to the media today. So none of usually like the, the, the star players wanted to kind of speak to the media today. Um, so we're going to kind of summarize things with a little to-do list. We're going to start things off with kind of our most pressing issue to, for the Cowboys to address and go down the list. So uh, because we started with uh, B1 the first time, Howman, I'm going to start with you. What's your most pressing thing that you that you want the Cowboys to figure out entering the offseason? I think for me, and I actually have an article coming out, coming out about this soon, so check the site for that. Is, Shameless plug. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Got to pay them bills. Uh but I, I think, you know, for me, really, the biggest thing is this defense needs some adjustments. And I'm not saying that that means Dan Quinn has to go. I'm not saying that you need to completely scrap this defense. But a year ago, you know, when the season came to the end that it did, we all kind of understood to a varying degree that something with the offense was not right. You know, the Cowboys had generally a pretty good season on, on offense. They were able to move the ball well in some games. Um, you know, they had enough talent, things were working, but, you know, it, it just wasn't completely perfect. The, the, the Kellen Moore offense and, and the way that he called games in certain situations wasn't quite right. And so, and, and we all kind of went in saying, here's some of the things they need to fix. Here's what needs to change. And ultimately they made the biggest change, which was Kellen Moore goes out to Los Angeles. Mike McCarthy takes over play calling and, 
you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that the offense was completely perfect and free of blame at any point in this season. But I mean, th- this offense in just about every single category did significantly better than they did on offense a year ago. A lot of that is credit to some of the changes that Mike McCarthy made on this offense and, and just the experience he brought as the play caller. And it wasn't like a complete overhaul of the offense either. Like so many of the things that were successful, they kept doing, but they also implemented some changes where there were needed tweaks. And I think they're in a very similar situation with the defense now is we know the scheme works. We know that they have the talent, you know, getting Trayvon Diggs back next year will be a huge, huge plus getting to see what they have in DeMarvion overshown at linebacker as well. That'll be huge. Um, you know, Mozzie Smith obviously didn't have the best rookie year, but giving him another opportunity to be in this program, to be in this system and kind of get his feet underneath him a little bit more, uh, that will help him. But at the same time, this defense, they've always had an issue since, since Dan Quinn got here and that's been their run defense and they can't stop the run. And some of that's by design because most of the time they're playing ahead and they want to rush the passer and they have plenty of pass rushers to do it. And when the scheme works, it works great. But so many times over these last three years, and especially this past year, they've run into a specific type of offense. And I'm referring to the Kyle Shanahan kind of offensive scheme that, by the way, the Packers run that offense where they just they get the ball run down their throat and then they have to commit so much to stop the run that then they're leaving guys wide open in the pass game. And it's not even particularly complicated routes. It's not like these offensive coordinators are breaking out, you know, the black magic to get these guys open. It's just, you know, the the defense can really only focus on one thing once they've been punched in the mouth. And some of that comes down to the scheme and the way that they prepare against the run. And Dan Quinn, as, as much as I love him, as much as I love what he's done for this Dallas defense in the last three years, I mean, this has been a recurring issue and he has not really done anything to fix it to this point. So I think there need to be some honest conversations in that locker room with Dan Quinn, with the rest of this defense about how do we fix this so that it's not a continuum. And if Dan Quinn doesn't want to fix it, like, you know, say best of luck, go take one of those head coaching jobs, you know, hope you have success in your next job. um, And let's go find someone else that's going to come in and make the tweaks that are necessary. Cause again, we know this defense for the most part will work, but it has a very glaring weakness. And that's something that you have to figure out because, you know, in this game against the Packers, the way the offense got going, if the defense was able to make a few stops, they might've actually been able to get back into this game, but the defense just had, you know, they, they were giving zero resistance all game. And it's like, you know, the, the I think the Packers punted twice in the game and scored, uh, I think it was like seven touchdowns total. Like, you know, count, obviously counting the pick six, but um, still, like, you you need a couple more stops from your defense if you're going to be able to come back in a game like that. And we've seen several times now this defense is not built to play when when they are playing from behind. They, they really only succeed and thrive when they're playing with a lead. And for the most part, that's worked, but there's going to be times you need to fix that. And, and that's, I think, the number one thing they have to really hone in on trying to solve these issues on defense. I'll just go really quick, B1, because uh, mine was also kind of related to the defense for the first one, and and Howman touched on a lot of them. Um, I think the most shocking thing is we saw that the defense was able to adjust against the Seattle Seahawks uh, in that game on Thursday night. It's a short week. A lot of things, uh, Cowboys were kind of playing a really tough schedule at that point, uh, a lot of games in sort of a short period of time. But the defense was finally able to kind of adjust. Dan Quinn put Stephon Gilmore on DK Metcalf. The, the Cowboys were able to get a few stops 
uh, on their offense. And to me, the Seattle Seahawks offense poses a much bigger threat than uh, the Green Bay Packers. I mean, you look at the wide receivers that they have. I'll take the Seattle Seahawks wide receivers over the Packers ones any day of the week. Um, I know Charbonnet was a, a running back out of the draft that I liked. And uh, I know Aaron Jones was has been the Cowboy killer. But you look at the aging player versus the young rookie and everything. I don't know. I think you kind of take the young player in that. But it's just the defense for me. It's just figuring out the identity of them and lean into it. Because to me, if Dan Quinn does leave, which it's sort of leaning that way, we heard that the Seattle Seahawks today officially put in a request to interview Dan Quinn for a head coaching job. I knew he has a few lined up with the Panthers, the Commanders, the Chargers. Um, if he does, in fact, leave, who comes in and what are they known for? Because uh, to me, the new coordinator that that comes in has to know that Trayvon Diggs, Deron Bland, Micah Parsons, they're not going anywhere for the next two to three years. So they need to build around them. Dan Quinn has always been very safety heavy, very defensive back heavy uh, when playing on the field. Um, so where where do you go with someone like a Donovan Wilson, a J. Ron Curse, who's a free agent, a Malik Hooker? You know, where do they fit into that plan? And if they don't fit into that plan, then things might need to change where maybe you have bigger linebackers on the field. Maybe you want bigger, beefier guys on the defensive line and not so light. So I think just the identity of the defense has to change. Like you mentioned, Hellman, the way that the offense needed to adjust. Um, and I think that's the first thing that you do, because if you want to compete, the offense is ready to go. A lot of guys are returning. Uh, you have CD lamb at his peak. Brandon cooks is coming back. Dak Prescott is seemingly going to be coming back given the contract situation and where things stand. So that'll be set. Uh, maybe outside of maybe uh, Zach Martin potentially retiring. Who knows with that? Tyron Smith is, of course, a free agent, but everything else is pretty in place. So I think the defense has to change. Uh, did you have anything be one on your list regards to the defense? We could touch on it if it's a little bit further down the list um, just while we're talking about it right now. Yeah, actually, I do. So, I, you know, there were there were actually out of the I know we talked about the four things in our pre our pre show. So uh, number one, it wasn't defense for me, but I do have. To my my two other ones, two and three, I had them respectively, relate to the defense. You guys made great points about it. Uh, for me, it, it really comes down to uh, acquiring acquiring some more talent and depth at the linebacker position. I know I, I know we you know we, we were just alluding to uh, the fact that uh, Overshone will be back. The Mormon Overshone will be back uh, this coming year. Obviously, he's coming coming off the uh, the injury, so he'll be back in the mix. He's also considered a light guy. He played a little bit of safety in, in, in college. So he, he, you know, he's a little bit bigger version of what I would, I would, I would call like a Marquise Bell at this stage. But I, you know, for the linebackers, I feel like we need to acquire more talent there. And I, I feel like, I feel like it'd be wise to acquire. There's a couple guys in particular. Um, I know Aziz Alshire, I believe would be one, one guy yep. I like, I like very much as a free agent. I think you can get him for a decent price. He's a little bit, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have his, his uh, profile in front of me, but I don't. He's a little. He's not. He's bigger than Marquise Bell because Marquise Bell is probably like one or two percent uh, when it comes to linebackers weight wise. But he's, you know, he's not like a 250 pound linebacker, you know, off the top of my head. But another, there's two other guys that I really like that fit the bill as more of a traditional linebacker, which I feel like the Cowboys were sorely missing, especially after Leighton Vander Esch, uh, you know, with his injury. There's uh, Drew Tranquil. Uh, he's going to be a free agent this year. You know, he's going to command anywhere from three to five million annually. And I think that's a reasonable contract for a Drew Tranquil. Tranquil, he's a he's a quality player. Uh, Willie Gay Jr., who's who's playing well uh, right now for the for the Chiefs, uh, three to four million is what I kind of figure he you know his his worth is at this point. So again, th th those guys, you know, the the cap numbers are going to be important because 
as you guys mentioned, we have we have guys that are going to be due in the next couple of years with these big contracts. So we got to find some quality players, but you know at the same time we got to find the right deals, and you know they got to be quality of quality. So it's got to be quality player, quality pay. I'm not expecting that to go to the clearance rack like we have, but I feel like they can acquire some of these players for a decent annual pay, uh, which I feel like a Willie Gay and a Drew Tranquil come to mind for me as linebackers. Now, we could also go in the draft as well. Excuse me. So day two in the draft is where I target a couple of linebackers that I really like. They could move up the board. I know we're in January, so to, uh, you know the 2024 draft is a couple months away, a few months away now. But there are two guys that I see on different mock draft boards that I could see coming off the board in, in uh, day two, which would fit the bill for, for the uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, you, you, you'll know this name because his, his dad played against us for many years. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. over at Clemson, uh, one of Chris Holling's uh, favorite uh, players I know in college. He's a big Clemson guy. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. is a very good player. I think he, he's got a chance to be uh, just like his dad, a quality player and a quality linebacker in the NFL. Uh, Edron Cooper out of Texas A&M is another guy uh, that I think is a, a quality day two selection that would fit the bill. Now, uh, really quickly uh, on the, the other side of it, because we're kind of pairing it all up here on defense, I do want to add the interior defensive line. Uh, Jonathan Hankins is, uh, you know, he obviously his, his contract is up. He's an older guy. He's a little bit longer in the tooth. But maybe you could bring him back on a, a very cap-friendly deal, which is certainly on the table, I would think. Uh, obviously, we're hoping Mozzie Smith plays, you know, plays well and continues to – or gets better and continues to uh, improve and play well because he has flashed that ability at times, but it hasn't been consistent. So it's – Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. To me this year, I considered it almost like a redshirt year per se, because he didn't, you know, he, he, he showed some ability, but I think he just needed to, to get his feet wet in the NFL game and learn the speed and the, the intricacies of the game. So I feel like Mozzie Smith, I, hopefully he'll be, he'll be much better in year two than he was this past year. Now, speaking of, you know, kind of going to the bargain bin a little bit, you know, those cheaper three to $5 million a year kind of contracts. I'd like to see the Cowboys on the interior go after a guy that we've seen very often, uh, Javon Kinlaw from the Niners. He uh, he's you know he's a former first round pick, a very high level first round pick. Uh, I could see him you know at a four to five million dollar per year clip, which I feel like is something that the Cowboys could roll the roll the dice on for a guy who has that first round pedigree. 
Uh, also, we have Grover Stewart as well. You know, I see I, I see this guy as a three to five million dollar a year type player. So, you know, those are two names that come to mind for me. There are some other names, but I think the Cowboys are not going to dole out big money for free agency. I do feel like they're, they'll bring in some guys, but they're going to do it on on a, on a contract friendly or I should say team friendly deals where they can keep the money, you know, keep the money uh, opened up for, for guys that are going to be due in the next couple of years, like a Micah Parsons, for example. So I don't feel like they're going to open up the, the checkbook very big for outside players, but I do think they're going to bring in some guys to do it. Now, the draft is another spot uh, that the, you know, that the Cowboys could really target the defensive line. Again, you could get a couple guys on day two. For example, uh, a Masan Smith from LSU would fit the bill. He's got that uh, nose tackle, defensive tackle pedigree at LSU. He's a quality player. And then another Clemson guy, you know, I've watched a lot of ACC football as a Syracuse, a Syracuse football fan. So I know Clemson pretty well. So there's another guy uh, out of Clemson that's on the interior of the defensive line named Tyler Davis out of Clemson. So he's another day two uh, quality selection. So I feel like they can mix and match a little bit uh, with, you know, with linebackers, whether linebackers and defensive linemen, whether it's via draft, you know, getting some, maybe some quality uh, veterans for a good price, you know, in the free agent market, that's kind of where I'm at with the, you know, with the changes that I have to make uh, from, from a personnel perspective, because, we have a lot of guys that are going to be free agents and I don't expect a lot of them to be back. I feel like there's going to be a lot of changes on this roster from this year to next year. So it's, it's, it's going to be important that the Cowboys uh, do do well in the free agent market as well as in the draft going forward. Really quick. You talked about linebacker. That was my fifth, uh, my fourth and final point um, that I wanted to make. So we could touch on this really quick is that I put overhaul what it means to be a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, similar to what they did with the safety position in 2021 under Dan Quinn for the longest time. Cowboys fans have been clamoring for the safety position to be something that was prioritized in the draft and free agency. And it never really was before Dan Quinn got here and Dan Quinn had a, a vision and an image for what he wanted. And the safety position became this three headed monster between what I mentioned before with Wilson hooker and curse. And now you're looking at the linebacker position where they've thrown some resources at it. I mean, they re-signed Leighton Vander Esch this off season to a two year deal, but we know he's a, a, an injury away from, from not being on the field. It, it, to me, it just doesn't seem like he would be coming back if at all, uh, the you know next season, um, depending on what happens with with his uh, decision to step away potentially from football, who knows? We haven't really heard too much about that. Um, but then you mentioned Overshown B one as somebody that's coming back from injury. We don't know what we have there. And then you look at what happened this year with Damone Clark and and Marquise Bell. And while Marquise Bell being thrown into the fire right away was admirable, he's not your typical linebacker uh, body type, and and that I think kind of really hit hurt him towards the end of the year, especially wearing down and getting that film, um, you know, out there for a lot of defenses to attack him. We know he's really good in coverage, but defending the run really isn't his strong suit. Um, I think we've seen flashes from Damone Clark, but to me, it's just maybe if there is a turnover at the coaching staff, uh, Scott McCurley is somebody that might be one of them where he's let go. I just think that there hasn't been any sort of positive, development from them as linebackers and and you know moving forward you want somebody to be in the room to help develop these guys and that just doesn't seem like somebody who might be kind of fit for that type of role so I just wanted to touch on the linebacker position as well Hammond, because I do think that that's something that we've been talking about all year uh, whether it was defending the run or just having more depth did you have the linebacker position on your list if so you could touch on it if not we can move on to your second point 
Um, not really. I mean, I, I think there's that's definitely with how thin they were at the linebacker position this year. I think that's something that kind of goes hand in hand with some of the defensive changes. But honestly, I'm I've always been of the of the mind that it doesn't really matter the kind of linebackers you have if your defensive line can't keep them clean. And, you know, some of that goes to goes into the scheme about like how much they're one gapping versus two gapping. But basically, um, you know, if, if, if your defensive linemen aren't really taking care of the offensive linemen, I mean, it doesn't matter if your linebacker is 210 or 250. If an offensive guard gets to them, there's not much to be able to do unless, unless it's Fred. I think he's probably like the one linebacker out there that you feel good about actually winning a one-on-one battle with those offensive linemen once they start moving downfield. So um, for me, it, it it really comes down to the the scheme and some of the stuff that Dan Quinn does with his defensive line because they do they they run the highest rate of defensive line stunts in the NFL, um, and they also tend to have really wide splits between their defensive linemen. If you go back and watch this game against the Packers. I mean, I don't blame you if you don't want to go back and watch it, but if you do, you're going to see, you know, the Packers lined up in 12 personnel quite a lot, meaning they had, you know, two tight ends out there, um, which they use a lot in their run scheme. And the Cowboys have, there's some plays where they have like only two down linemen and the A gap is completely open. They've got their outside linebackers, you know, playing that edge position and they're just split out so wide. And it's like, and then you watch the play happen and they just run right up the middle and they've got plenty of room to run. And you've got, you know, John Runyon Jr. blocking Marquis Bell. And it's like, you know, of course you're going to lose that battle. And it, to me, really, I like to have, you know, a linebacker with a little bit more heft. But at that point, if you're getting beat like that, I don't think it really makes much of a difference who your linebacker is if if you're having those kinds of things that are breaking down due to scheme. So, I didn't have it on my list, but you could definitely kind of include it there with with some of the tweaks I want to see on this defensive scheme. So what would be then your second point um, on this to-do list? Is it something related to the offense, coaching staff? Where are you going? Yeah, I think for me, really, the the, the second thing that, that came to mind was, um, ironically, on the offensive side with the run game and and getting this run game to where it needs to be because – uh, as I talked about with the offense and how much they've improved, um, you know, a lot of that came through through the passing game. And, and obviously that makes sense when you've got guys like Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, both of who had, I believe, their best years of their career. Jake Ferguson was able to ascend to being, you know, one of the top young tight ends in this league. Um, but the run game, it felt like every single week, we never really knew what we were going to get. It's like some weeks they looked good, some weeks they looked bad. And and, you know, it, it definitely got better as the season went along, but it wasn't like it was just consistently good towards the um, of the year. And, and and as much as I'm a, a fan of pass-happy offenses and I like the way that this offense is trending with Mike McCarthy calling plays, I think it's definitely the right direction. Um, there is still something to be said for having a reliable run game. You know, every now and then you're going to get into some of those games like against Miami where – they're just taking away your first read. They're getting in the quarterback's face. They're making it hard to throw the ball. And, you know, in those situations, you it's it's helpful to be able to rely on your run game. And even when the Cowboys had good running games, like individual games where they were able to run the ball well, they didn't have a reliable run game all year because you never really knew what you were going to get. 
And some of that is, you know, some of the changes to this offense. And, and it was definitely a work in progress throughout the year. They had a new offensive line coach, um, Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, he's worked with this offensive line coach, Mike Solari, before. They're both very much known for their run schemes. You know, when they worked together in Seattle, when Schottenheimer was running the offense for the Rex Ryan Jets, Solari was the offensive line coach for the Jim Harbaugh 49ers. Both of those teams had great running schemes. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to and also hoping that those guys can get together with McCarthy, as well as uh, Jeff Blasco, who's in his first role this year as the running backs coach and also the run game coordinator, um, that those guys kind of get together and say, here's where we can take the next step for our run game so that it does get to a point where they can rely on it more if Dak's having a bad game or if the secondary just has a beat on what they're trying to do in the pass game. You can say, okay, we're now we're going to turn to this other thing and it's going to work just as well. Um, and obviously, you know, when you talk about the personnel, there's some some decisions to be made contract-wise with this offensive line, Terrence Steele, Tyron Smith, Tyler Biotish, and then obviously Ty, uh, Tony Pollard, um, you know, with, with his uh, franchise tag coming up to a close. So it, it'll be interesting to see what decisions they make with regards to how that all unfolds. But I think um, really for me, when I think about this offense and where they need to go from here, I look at that run game and say it really needs to to evolve beyond what it was this year. Yeah, and you mentioned the turnover might be something where it's certainly possible. Um, you know, the Cowboys could be heading into next year, maybe week one, let's say, with a completely rotation of running backs. We know Rico Dowdle is a free agent, uh, I believe a restricted free agent at that. And then we know Tony Pollard is an unrestricted free agent coming off the franchise tag. Deuce Vaughn uh, went on injured reserve with a ankle injury. But we know that before that, he wasn't really involved in the offense, if at all. So the three running backs that the Cowboys had this year might not even be on the roster heading into next year. And while I do think that they will re-sign somebody, either a Tony Pollard or a Rico Daddle, it really depends on where they want to go. And, and that sort of leads into my second point, which was negotiating the contracts, I think, for Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb are at the utmost importance when it comes to signing guys back, where you start with allocating resources. And then the, the, the kind of adjacent point to that is, to me, don't let Michael Parsons hold all the chips with regards to negotiating a new contract just because the window's open. I do think that Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb are the top priority, and then you can kind of figure out where you want to go after that, whether it's signing some free agents back, some uh, new guys to come in. Because I do think, you know, you you mentioned a few names on the free agent list between the two of you, but I think someone like a Stefan Gilmore, a Trent Sieg, their long or Trent Sieg, their long sapper, uh, Tyler Biotish is also a free agent. So getting those guys in on maybe team-friendly deals, getting them back on one to two-year deals, we'll see what happens with that. I think that is a little bit more of a, an important issue than extending somebody like a Micah Parsons. I mean, we know the Cowboys are going to be signing him to a long-term deal. You just tell them, listen. We need you to wait another year. Uh, we need to bring some of these guys back. It's important for us to get Dak done because of where the cap hit his uh, hit is almost $60 million. CeeDee Lamb, I think that his price tag is only going to go up, so you do it now this way. Maybe you get it uh, on a little bit more of a price, uh, a, a friendly deal compared to what it could be next year. And you just tell Parsons, listen, just sit tight. We're going to get you your piece of the pie, but it just won't be this year. you know. And then you have a few more years left of leverage over him because uh, it's only the first year, the first uh, window opportunity for you to sign him long term. 
Um, so I just think that when it comes to you mentioned the running game and all that, you know, do you bring back a guy like Tony Pollard if you kind of negotiate things with Dak Prescott and, and CeeDee Lamb? Who knows? But it's certainly something that I think the Cowboys need to address sooner rather than later. Um, and kind of everything kind of ties together. It's just bad timing all the way around B1 with regards to Dak Prescott's cap hit. Uh, is, is he on your list? Um, with regards to, I know, I think we touched on two and three, so maybe is, is renegotiating something with Dak on there as well for you, or do you have a different point for your fourth one? No, it's, 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 it's not on my list per se. You know, it's, there's, you know, I, and I was jokingly in our, in our pre-show, uh, conversation, you know, there's, you know, only four, cause we were, you know, the number four was kind of what we were discussing in the, in the pre-show. So it's, it, it's on a long list, but oh, I, yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to condense this list a little bit. So what I want to do is, you know, since, you know, how, you know, you guys have been talking about uh, the run game a little bit, that's actually one of mine. So I'm going to save my number one for last, because I feel like that's, I feel like that's where we're, I mean, we, you know, Halman, I think, and I might uh, disagree. I think actually, actually, I think I'm going to probably be the lone wolf on this, on the, my number one take. So I'm going to save that to, to the end, but uh, to get back to the, uh, the running, the running back uh, side of things for me, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, if, if McCarthy is back uh, for next year, which who knows at this point as of recording, uh, whether it's going to be uh, McCarthy or somebody else, but, you know, from, from a scheme perspective, I, I have no problem with the run game, you know, with, you know, with the way it's been drawn up. I do think, I do think uh, it, it's not perfect by any means, but I do like the fact that uh, we, you know, we have, I think the scheme itself is pretty good. So I think that's, that part of it's good. But for me, I feel like it's more of a personnel issue. And I, I, I think I think it's time to clean house. I think that's that's kind of where I'm at at this point. I feel like, you know, and again, this is not an emotional thing. This is just me just, you know, analyzing it, looking over everything and just kind of taking 24 hours or so to kind of just, you know, settle in and just kind of, you know, just look at the film and go back and read some things. So for me, I don't think Tony Pollard's back next year. That's just my that's my gut feeling. I don't think that I, I think he's going to command more money than what the Cowboys may may want to pay him. So I feel like there's a standstill uh, that's going to happen there. I, I mean, if I'm wrong, that's that's great. I, you know, I do like Tony Pollard, but I don't think he's a true number one running back. I've been saying that all season. I think he's a good complimentary running back. I just don't know if he's the he's the the, the true uh, number one back that the Cowboys need. You know, Ezekiel Elliott was that guy for the Cowboys for many seasons up until obviously this past year. So for me, I feel like they need to revamp the running back room a little bit. Um, I feel like they should. I feel like they should go after two backs this year. I I, I feel like they should try to get one in the free agent market and uh, you know use a draft pick as well. You know, you can get running backs you know at a at a decent cost. You know, decent draft capital where you don't have to use a first rounder and still get a a quality running back. So. I feel like a day two or day three kind of running back would be something that I would really like to see. You know, I, I just, I think, I think the Deuce Vaughn experiment, I don't know how that's going to go, but it, it, so far it hasn't been that great. I feel like that's, you know, he's a six round pick. So I don't think that, I don't think that stops the Cowboys from, you know, jumping on that train and say, you know what, let's go get a running back and, and, and uh, you know, use a draft pick on one. And, you know, there's two guys that come to mind for me. Uh, one of them is very familiar uh, to, uh, to, everybody because I don't know if you're just watching that college football playoff but Blake Corum from Michigan is one heck of a running back and I think you can get him in the in the day two range I feel like he's going to be a second or third round pick he's a little bit undersized but he's a grinder the kid the kid just he just he's a quality running back he does everything that you want him to do I think I think he checks a lot of those boxes that I feel like 
would fit with the scheme as it sits, assuming Mike McCarthy does come back. Now, another guy that I would really like, he's kind of, this guy's kind of my favorite running back, you know, watching him in the big 10 this year and the, the past couple of years. And also, you know, I, I feel like his prospects as a, as an NFLer, and he's, he's, as of recording, he's only 19 years old. And this kid's name is Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin. He's, he's, he's essentially, he's like, he's, he's King Henry. He's, he's essentially Derrick Henry's size. We'll see how he does ability-wise because Derrick Henry has been one of the best running backs in the league, but he's a similar size guy as a Derrick Henry. And I feel like that's the element that the Cowboys have truly been missing. I feel like they need one of those just heavy backs. I feel like they just need to bring somebody in that's just going to be a, a hammer, hammer in the nail and like just, just run through people. And I feel like Braylon Allen, you could get him probably third, fourth round. I feel like that's that's a good spot for him at this at this point. Maybe he moves up on boards, but I feel like a, a, a round three or round four pick on Braylon Allen would, would be a good choice to bring him in. And then, you know, speaking of Derrick Henry, I know, you know, our, our, our friend Chris Holland is not here to, to talk about Derrick Henry, but if, if there was some way to make that number work, Derrick Henry, I would love to have Derrick Henry on the team. I just, I don't think it happens there. That's why I want to see a guy like Braylon Allen come in because you can, he's a Derrick Henry type player, but he's not going to cost you as much money at this stage of the game because he's going to be a, a day, you know, a day three, a day late, late day two type of pick. So I feel like you can get him for a very, uh, obviously a very good uh, price. And then two other guys, one guy we've seen plenty of times uh, with the Washington commanders and that's Antonio Gibson. I feel like he could be a guy. I'm not expecting him to be a bell cow at all. I feel like he could be a complimentary back. And this, and this is in the case where it's kind of funny because he went to the same school as Tony Pollard, where he could fill that role per se if Tony Pollard is not back. So I feel like the Antonio Gibson portion of it would, would, would mean to me that Tony Pollard is not back. And then, you know, from another veteran standpoint, J.K. Dobbins, I, I know – I know he's been injured, but when he has been available, which has not been something he's very, you know, he's been very much known for in the NFL. When he's been available, he's a very good running back. And, you know, it, it was unfortunate with the injuries that have happened. He was about to sign a new contract with the, with the Ravens that was being reported out there. And obviously the, the injury happened at the worst time possible because they were in the middle of negotiation. And obviously now he's going to be a free agent or he is a free agent at this point or going to be a free agent because the season's uh, not over yet for the Ravens, but he, but he is going to be a guy that I would keep an eye on. Let's see how he heals up. I feel like that's a guy that could really, you know, could be a good fit for, for the Cowboys going forward. So for me, I feel like he, I feel like they may have to start cleaning house with the, the running back room. I like the scheme. I just think the personnel needs some changing. I just that, That's kind of where I'm at with the running game. So, you know, if you look at what's going on in the playoffs, the, the teams that are doing well have run the ball very well. And the Cowboys have been very, um, I would say, average or below average at that all season long, uh, from a you know from a personnel perspective. So I feel like that's that's something that needs to change uh, going into uh, 2024. And with the few minutes that we have left here, I'm going to save my final point uh, a little tease here. Again, shameless plug. Uh, I'm going to be putting this sort of to-do list out on bloggingtheboys.com. Uh, some point this week, it'll come out. So you'll have to stay tuned for my final point. I think it's a good, juicy one that a lot of people might not agree with. So I'll leave that tease there. Uh, so, Halman, we'll start with you. Uh, what's, what's one final point, one thing on your to-do list uh, that you want to touch on? And then we'll end with B1's teased number one that we will probably disagree with. <laughs> well, I, 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 my, my final to-do list item kind of almost is like a preempt I, to what I think. Uh, obviously, I don't know. We didn't discuss this beforehand, but what I think 
is, is B1's uh, controversial pot stirring uh, to-do list item. So um, for me, really, it's just staying the course. And obviously, after, when you when you go and lose a game like this, there's going to be things that you have to change. And obviously, every offseason comes with it, you know, seasons of change, whether that's players that leave for contract reasons or guys that, you know, you just you get rid of because it's it's time for them to to move on somewhere else. And then, of course, there's guys that you bring in at the very least by the draft. And usually the Cowboys bring in a few guys through free agency as well, even if they're not splash signings. Um, but overall, I mean, obviously, the the big talking point after this game was a lot of people jumping to the conclusion that Mike McCarthy needs to be fired. And, um, you know, I understand, you know, being in the moment and being like, yeah, let's let's just fire this guy. Like, you know, especially the way that this game was lost and, and with so much. So much optimism, so much momentum heading into the postseason. Um, it, it's very, very frustrating to see that kind of loss. But at the same time, I look at it, th this team, I mean, I've said it so many times because it bears repeating, three straight 12-win seasons, three straight playoff appearances, things that have not been done in this franchise since the 90s, since they were winning Super Bowls. And, you know, you can you can very easily come back and say, well, they haven't won in the playoffs. Yeah, okay. That, that's certainly a frustrating thing, but you can also play that game looking around at all these different teams. You know, in Green Bay, Mike McCarthy, he had one playoff win in his first five years with the Packers. And then that fifth year is when he goes to the Super Bowl and wins the thing. Look at Andy Reid, you know, when he went to Kansas City after, you know, leaving Philadelphia, which when Mike McCarthy first got hired in Dallas, a lot of people kind of compared it to Andy Reid and his journey from being a very successful head coach and then kind of, you know, surprisingly getting fired in Philly. Um, Andy Reid, like he it didn't wasn't until his sixth season that he even won multiple playoff games. And then he went and went to the AFC championship game. Then it wasn't even until the next year he went and won the Super Bowl. So, you know, you're talking about coaches that that have rings and and have have done it. Like it takes time to build a Super Bowl team. You can't just build a Super Bowl team in one offseason. And, you know, the the Cowboys have been have been very successful in the regular season. They've been also very consistent, which when you look at the NFL, and of course we know, we know what that stands for, not for long. I think when you have that kind of consistency, you can't, it, it's, it's so tempting to say, well, we'll just blow it up. And it, do, it, just, it doesn't happen very often where a coach with this kind of success and consistency gets fired. And that's for a reason. The Broncos did it with John Fox. In fact, uh, I, I believe he's the only coach to have three straight seasons with 12 or more wins and then get fired without having a losing season. And of course the Broncos, then the very next year, they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, credit where it's due, they, their gamble paid off, but they haven't been to the playoffs since then. Like that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of gamble and risk that you're making is, you know, you, you could, you could potentially go in and, you know, and that could spur the change you want, but at the same time you're sacrificing consistency for the sake of, of hitting a home run. And, you know, I, I just look at how this team has performed and repeatedly performed up to expectations, you know, at least in the regular season. And I, I think the arrow is pointing up, like I, I get the frustration, I get the anger, but um, I, I mean, I, I can't look at that sustained success for three straight years and say, all right, let's blow it all up. I, I just can't. So I, I think they're in a good position. I think they're on the right path. And, Obviously, there's changes, but they need to stay the course with with this current coaching staff and setup. B1, is that very similar to what you were talking about? Or you're thinking completely different. 
Hellman, 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 my guy. Uh, we are we are completely opposite. That's that with the Mike McCarthy take. That that is my number one. I like uh, this. I like this. I love yeah. I love conflict. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. And, and all due respect, you know, Hellman, Hellman, and you you make fantastic points. We you know I I enjoy it because you and I have different ways of looking at things. But we you know the common goal is we just want to see the Cowboys uh, be successful. And we love the Cowboys, so I just want to say that first and foremost. So my number one, obviously for me, is firing coach Mike McCarthy. There are three coaches that come to mind that I feel like would take this team to another level. And I'm going to start with the obvious one, the elephant in the room. Social media was going nuts. I actually reposted something about this as, you know, as a wrestling fan, they, you know, the whole Stone Cold Steve Austin music came out and you got Bill Belichick coming out of the tunnel as uh, you know, you know, as the the savior, quote unquote, as the you know, as as the as the, that video uh, showed online, Bill Belichick. I, I feel like a lot of people might not want that. I'm I'm okay with it. Like there's you know he to me he's a champion, and, and some would say, well you know Tom Brady was the reason for this and that, but Bill Belichick knows how to he knows how to coach. He's been coaching since 1975 in the NFL. He's been coaching a long time. He's won eight Super Bowls, six as a head coach. I mean, I can go down the list. We could spend a whole show on Bill Belichick's records and, and, and everything that he's done in the league. I think that goes without saying. So if, if, if Jerry Jones says, hey, I want to bring Bill Belichick in, I'm okay with that because of what Bill Belichick has done. And let's not, and let's not forget either. Jason Garrett did say uh, recently, I think it was on the, the Sunday Night Football telecast, where uh, Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick are actually good friends. And, and, and Jason Garrett would know this because last time I checked, he was, he was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys and played for the Cowboys. So I think he knows Jerry Jones pretty well. So I don't think he would go out and say that without, uh, without actually, you know, making sure that was actually correct. So don't, you know, don't discount that. The only thing I could see really, you know, knocking, you know, knocking this out is, is the personnel side of things. I think Bill Belichick is a great coach. I feel like the personnel side, I feel like has been lacking as we saw the New England Patriots this year. And as we know, he's been the, the, the essentially the GM of the Patriots for a long time. I feel like he still has it as a coach. I think if he stays in that lane as a coach, which he may say, nope, I want to run the whole show or you don't get me at all, which he has that right to do. I just don't think, I don't think Jerry Jones would just give the keys to Bill Belichick and say, hey, you can run everything. That's just not going to happen. So if Bill Belichick wants to come coach, and, and we have a lot of a lot of great uh, great pieces to the puzzle ready to rock and roll, like a Micah Parsons, a Dak Prescott, you know, we have some great weapons on this team. Then I think Bill Belichick could be a possibility. Now, speaking of Bill Belichick, there is one other guy from that Bill Belichick tree, so to speak. He played with Bill Belichick, uh, you know, for many years as his uh, on his defense, score a few touchdowns as well. And that is Mike Rabel. Now, this is going to sound, you know, that, that might sound a little rough because Mike Rabel was fired. So, you know, a lot of people would say, why fire a coach that, uh, or why hire a coach that just got fired? I think Mike Rabel was, uh, was actually in, it dealt a tough hand with the, with the Tennessee Titans. I do feel like he did way more with what he had than, uh, than was expected. I felt like even, even in those last two seasons where, he once he was seven and ten and six and eleven. Those teams probably could win with a lot of coaches one or two games. So I think Mike Vrabel is one of those guys that you know he he's a culture builder. Players love to play for him. They play with a chip, and I feel like and, and, and I feel like 
when it comes to the playoffs, he's an overachiever. Let's go back to 2019. He he gets he gets his Titans to the NFC or the AFC uh, title game. In that route, the team upset. This, uh, speaking of Bill Belichick, the defending champ New England Patriots at that point, and also the top seeded Baltimore Ravens to get to that to that uh, uh, AFC championship game. It all lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. The guy just overachieves. And I will tell you this. And there's another, and, and maybe they make changes to the offense because Arthur Smith was was his OC, his offensive coordinator from 2019 and 2020, and uh, you know he was obviously just recently let go by the Atlanta Falcons. And in those two years that they worked together, where Arthur Smith was the uh, offensive coordinator for Mike Vrabel, they were top 10 in, 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 in points scored uh, scored in 2019, uh, fourth in points scored in 2020. So that that could be a good match there. We'll see what happens. And then my last one, and this is my last point, I'll get to it really quick. It's the easiest one. The college football playoff just happened, and a, uh, a particular coach from uh, Michigan, University of Michigan, uh, just won the championship, and that's Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is a proven winner. Everywhere he's gone, whether it was uh, San Diego as a, a, you know, as a coach back in the early 2000s when I was in high school, he won a lot of games. You know, as, as the San Francisco 49ers coach, won a lot of games. He just won the college football playoff with, uh, uh, with the Michigan Wolverines. He is a guy that just wins everywhere he goes. And I'm just going to leave it with this last little factoid, I think, that uh, that'll uh, be a good way to finish off the show. Jerry Jones has three Super Bowls as the owner of the Cowboys. Now, of those three Super Bowls, let's break it down like this. What do these, these coaches have in common? with Jim Harbaugh. They won national championships in college. Jimmy Johnson was a Super Bowl champion, as we know, with the Cowboys back in the 90s of the glory days, just like Barry Switzer. Jimmy Johnson won a national championship with the Miami Hurricanes back in 1987, and Barry Switzer won not one, not two, but three national championships with, uh, with, Oklahoma, with the Oklahoma Sooners back in uh, 74, 75, and 85. So to me, the formula is right there in front of us. Bring a coach that won a national championship, and I feel like the Cowboys are going to get back to the glory days. That's why I say bring a coach in that's not Mike McCarthy. There's three right here that I named that I feel like would help the Cowboys get over that playoff hump and get us all to the promised land and get Jerry Jones that elusive Super Bowl ring that he's been looking for for 30 years. Well, oddly enough, you guys brought up uh... – you know, opposing points, but something that I'm going to be, you know, writing about tomorrow. And it was my final point. So we'll have to see uh, where I fall on this, whether it's keeping McCarthy or bringing somebody else in. I, I like the opposing points because like I said, it's one of my final points to touch on as well. Um, so that's it. Those are all the to-do lists that we want the Cowboys to kind of address. Or we feel like that the Cowboys can address that will hopefully push them in the right direction. And we know that, you know, the season ended a lot sooner than anybody expected, but with things getting ready to change this offseason, uh, I think it would be in your best interest to follow all of us on X, on Twitter. Check us out and all the work that we do on bloggingtheboys.com. Uh, we'll have up-to-date news on everything around the Cowboys and preview what lies ahead this offseason. And not to mention, you know, we're going to start talking about the NFL draft 
free agency. We touched on a lot of those things today with a few different prospects, a few different guys that uh, hopefully come back to the Cowboys and maybe a few names to keep an eye out for that the Cowboys bring in. So we know things staying right now, but we do sincerely, I can speak on behalf of Howman, Clements, and, and Chris Halling here because I'm sure uh, they agree with me on this, but we know things sting right now, but we appreciate all of you tuning into the writer's block each and every week throughout the season. It truly means the world to us. And it's only the beginning. Somehow, some way we will find a way to the other side of this and be better for it. So until next week, always remember guys, go Cowboys. 